Welcome back. Thank you guys for tuning in. And today we have an exciting episode. We have David Ingalls from Ashland, Oregon. Yeah. The <laughs> luthier behind Ono Ukuleles. Thank you so much, David and Jan uh, as well, um, for coming down and spending some time with us, having a conversation. And um, yeah, how you, how you been? Great. It's good to be back. Uh, we came over, I think, for the fourth time for the uh, Ukulele Guild of Hawaii uh, exhibition, which uh, this time was held at the Bishop Museum and uh, came off very, very well. A lot of interesting um, builders there with a lot of interesting uh, instruments. So there was a lot to see and learn. Yeah, talk about that. What did you like? Um, as far as you know, other builders, what what did you find interesting? Well, there's an awful lot of stuff, and and uh, there are builders, of course, from Hawaii. Probably, I'd say the majority, but also builders from the mainland and uh, several from Asia as well. And there are just different styles, and I, yeah. uh, there's so many different ways people have of doing things, both um, structurally and in terms of of uh, the aesthetic appearance of the instrument. And so you can pick up a lot of good ideas about what other people are doing and some of which I'll want to incorporate in my own instruments. So it's it's really a, a good thing for me because I live in what I sometimes call an ukulele wasteland. Um, there just aren't very many builders in my neck of the woods in Southern Oregon. So I, 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 there aren't people I can go see and or talk to in person about what they're doing and show them what I'm doing and, and trade ideas. The internet makes that easier than it would have been years ago, but still, it's fun to get together eyeball to eyeball with people and talk about what they're up to and what works for them and what they're planning on doing to make changes to their own instruments. Yeah, totally. And you usually do make it over once, at, at, you know, for this thing every year, right? Yes. Yeah, I think I, I missed last year, unfortunately, but I hope I won't do that again. Mm. Well, we've missed having Ono ukuleles uh, on the website, featuring them. So I'm especially grateful for three new arrivals. Yeah. And um, <laughs> one thing I like about you is that you are always rethinking things. You're um, a student. Uh, you know of of this craft of luthery and you're always looking you know talking and trying to figure out other ways experimenting talk some about um your recent kind of um evolution in in, in your builds i've made some um fairly minor changes i've, I've always used a cantilevered fretboard the fretboard isn't in contact with the top, and I'm still doing it uh, that way, pretty much structurally the same, but with a added um, aesthetic uh, component, which makes it look a little bit uh, nicer and also makes the extension of the fretboard over the top um, much stiffer. Um, and so that's that's a nice thing to add. The big it's thing it's beautiful. I, I love that addition. It it it, it is. I think it's a, a visual improvement. 
Right. And I, I've always used um, carbon fiber in the extension. It's um, it's uh, set into the underside of the right. of the board, and I still do that. And it, that was pretty stiff, but now the extension is is so stiff that there's really no, no amount of finger pressure you can put on it that moves it at all. Right. So now it, there's carbon fiber kind of in between the two ebony pieces. Yes. Yeah. And I'll I'll keep doing that even though I'm not really sure it's necessary, but yeah, it's but it's a little right. it's a little thing to do and it's good insurance. Right, right. So right. we'll keep doing it that way. But the biggest thing I've done in the past well about year and a half is I've been working on uh, laminated sides and backs. And um, that's um, you know in the instrument world, as in a lot of other things, there's nothing new under the sun. And instrument builders have been doing uh, laminated uh, sides and backs for a long, long time. And as far as I can tell, it goes back um, uh, decades or even maybe 100 years or so in the classical guitar world. Sure. Some of the old yeah. um, builders did the same thing. And um, so it's... As I say, it's not really new, but the application to uke seems to be fairly new. And uh, I, I came across it when I, one day I was looking through a, a book I have on classical guitar construction by a luthier named um, John Bogdanovich. He has a really nice uh, book that has a lot of good information in it, about mainly about um, building techniques. And that's important for a uke builder because although it, we all know that the uke is a completely different instrument from a guitar. You can't just scale down a classical guitar and make a uke. That's, there are many things about it that are, are unique. It's, they still derive from the same um, lineage. And um, much of the construction techniques that are used in, in ukes are, are uh, much the same or similar to construction techniques used in classical guitars. A big example would be something we all know about, and that's the, the bracing pattern on the top. Classical guitars typically use um, fan bracing, which is uh, generally, well, at least the most common uh, form of bracing in, uh, in tenor and uh, baritone ukuleles. So um, looking at what classical guitar builders do and have done may have some value. and. I'd pick up that book every so often if I'd, I'd ask myself, well, is there a better way to do some construction step that I'm doing? How, how does a classical guitar builder do it? And I, I learned a few things from that. And then one day I sat down and decided I was going to read the whole book just because I should probably do that. And I came across the information that um, Bogdanovich makes laminated sides for his classical guitars. And uh, I got to thinking about that and sort of asked why he, he was doing that and um, did a little bit of scouting around on the internet and looking in some books. And I thought it would be a good, I think, a good, good, good thing to try. So I started doing some prototyping of you know, how, how would I laminate them, how would I clamp them, how would I um, make that all work from a mechanical point of view. And when I did that, I discovered that um, our friend Bo Hannum, who's a guitar and, and ukulele luthier in Colorado, was posting some things about his work with laminated sides. So I, I got in touch with Bo and, and we exchanged some information about uh, what I was doing and what he was doing and uh, gluing methods and that sort of thing. And he also um, put me on to uh, some very good information that's out there in a, uh, books written by uh, Gerard Gillet and um, uh, Trevor Gore. And 
Bo worked with them in, when he was in Australia as a partner. I think he, they were among his teachers in the, in the craft. And um, so I, I, I bought their books. They, they literally wrote the book. They have two incredibly detailed volumes on design and, and construction and uh, studied what uh, they had to say about laminated sides and why they do it. And also, uh, there's a very interesting uh, YouTube that's easily found of um, Trevor Gore being interviewed by um, Robbie O'Brien, who does all those those YouTubes for uh, LMII, the, the Luthier Supply Company. And he uh, Gore explains the real reason for doing it. Um, he has a, he's a very technical guy, he, has, he had a long engineering career and he's very mathematically oriented and much of what he writes in his books is pretty dense for people like me who uh, aren't really super at math. But the gist of it is that um, he feels that by making the sides of a, a, an acoustic inter- instrument more massive, not stiffer but more massive, that tends to um, isolate the vibration of the top and keep it from bleeding off into a structure of the instrument where it doesn't effectively make more more and better sound. And uh, Trevor Gore might think I, I really oversimplified that, and maybe I have, but I think that's that really is the... No, I think it's become more... I mean, there's different theory... You know, people go about it differently, but that that sort of, like, drum, you know, type of a theory on you just want very stiff sides... I did a workshop for a couple of weeks with Charles Fox back like 20 years ago or something. But that was part of his thing is, you know, and I feel like he, st- he was doing some laminated sides at that time too. But he was one of the guys that pioneered the like solid curfing as well for that right. sort of, you know, reason. And um, but did Trevor go into like the laminated back? Because I know that's, I mean. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think that's part of what I've, I've read about his right, right, right. his building. But I also um, tried doing laminated backs, and the, the theory there is a little bit different. You're not really trying to add mass or weight to the back. The uh, you're what you're trying to do is make the back um, stiff, without braces, and and also uh, it remains somewhat resonant. And we can see that on my instruments. You, it, the back still has a tap tone. It's not like it went dead. Oh, yeah, no. totally. And you know, man, I hope I'm not wrong, but I, I feel like Pepe Romero's new bracing does that same thing. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. And a couple of years ago when I was here, uh, Pepe came by uh, when I happened to be uh, here at the shop, and we did look at an instrument that he brought, and it, it, it did have, um, I think it had both laminated back and I... Hasn't he done a laminated top also? A yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different because the, um, what is he, skin bracing uh, is what mm-hmm. he calls his tops because it's graduated and it's only in a certain section. So it, it's not it's not a fully laminated, but it's, uh, I feel like the back is yeah. all to the same. And I think he had the, the, uh, the grain, not quite cross grain, but a right. little bit splayed like so. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know what the theory is behind that. But they sound great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, and I mean, I feel like a lot of people's perceptions, I mean, but the thing is, there's a big difference between um, laminated 
for cost by cheaper imports and a thoughtful reason yeah. from a luthier. And I know, um, what's the guy in Australia? Small Smallman? Have you seen his work? I've heard of him. Yeah, I've heard, I mean, you know, I've heard recordings of guitars. But he used a laminated bag. And, I mean, he's got a whole different, you know, yeah. he, he's the one who did the, he does like a lattice bracing with the, um, anyways, his guitars go for like 20 grand plus or something. <laughs> yeah. And he's choosing Jeez. to do laminate side and back. And they, you know, you have like classical, come in, Corey. Hey. Hello, Corey. Sorry, mate. <laughs> it's alright. You brought alcohol, so you're forgiven. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you've got like some of the world's best classical guitar players choosing to yada yada. Anyways, and um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I feel like Ramirez was doing it way back when yes. for kind of expensive. That's true. He, he's one of the classical builders who's often used as an example of, of why this is a, a good idea. Um, but man, it's going to take some like readjustment from people's perceptions. I wish people would just go by their ear and eyes and like give less credence to what they think they know but I don't know what well, are your thoughts on that that's right it's all about the sound that you um, get from the instrument and if it if it works if it's a technique that works for a particular luthier by all means um, you've the, the builder's done a good thing if it's used in a way that doesn't improve the the instruments that somebody's building then obviously it has no real value so that the proof is in the pudding. And as we all know, um, there are lots of ways to do things in instrument building. And saying that one person does something in a certain way and is successful really doesn't have a lot of impact on, on what other people are doing because somebody else may be getting uh, an equivalent quality or a particular sound that that person likes out of a different technique. Yeah, there's so many different factors that go into what you know makes the sound but um but we can say definitively that like some of the best guitar builders at this point in time choose not like it's any cost benefit the time that's involved in laminating and all like that but they choose that and and you're at this point offering an either or to you know people custom ordering Right. Here's here's what I want. I, I want you to build us nearly I like identical instruments, but one with all solid, one with the laminated side and back. And it might be interesting for you too. I mean, maybe you've done this already. Have you? I have. Um, and what did you think, sound wise? Yeah. I right now I have in my possession one of my tenors that was built conventionally. And um, I've built a total of five tenors with laminated sides and back. And I do hear a difference. 
What of I course. get out of out of the laminated bodies is um, more volume and more sustain, and I, the sustain is particularly noticeable. Wow! I, I think it would be a good idea, though, to do as you say and, and build two instruments side by side so that you've done as much as you possibly can to make them similar, and uh, with the same the same top and the same bracing, top bracing and um, see how that all plays out. That's, that's a good idea. I, I did that sort of with the, the two tenors that I brought over this time. They're both, they were built side by side. They both have Adirondack spruce tops, identical Adirondack bracing. And uh, the only difference being that one is a 17-inch scale and the other is an 18-inch scale. And I did that specifically to try to evaluate the difference between those two scale lengths. Yeah, the sound is profoundly different in those two. From what I heard, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's audible at least. Yeah, I can I can tell the, the difference. It's not that one's better than the other. Somebody who no, likes yeah. likes a traditional mm-hmm. um, tenor sound is probably going to want to stay with the, the seventeen inch scale. The eighteen inch gives you a little more finger room, which some people like, um, and it also has a somewhat um, more resonant sound. And. That may be partly due to the fact know. that you that think the, the eighteen is more resonant. Well, well I, I, yeah. I don't know that that's the right word. Like people the use that. The seventeen is almost warmer in a certain yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. But, but the eighteen inch is, is tuned down a half step, so that the the string tension is the same. Because I've also used exactly ah. the same strings on it, and I wanted to make the tension similar between the two because the string tension um, has a pretty important effect on the on the sound you're going to get out sure, of the instrument. Sure. Sure. Oh, so it, it's probably at a half step down, retaining that warmth of a... Yes. Right. Yeah. It, I, I think warmth, warmth may be a better word than resonance there. Depends know. on how you use yeah. those words. Hmm. But Adjectives it, for sound are always kind yeah. of tricky. But. but there is a difference. But I, I like the idea of building a, a conventional instrument. Nope, the party started. <laughs> Sorry. Corey's here. Well, you can't keep Try to Corey be as down, silent as possible. <laughs> You're opening up a can. You can't be silent. I did it once. He's been watching toddlers all day. So. Yeah. <laughs> I literally just woke up three hours ago. So. Really? No, I took a nap with the kids. I always do. Oh. And I didn't have time to put on my regular shirt. Oh. Ah, you're out of no pass it uniform. on today. Yeah, <laughs> the way we we all are. Yeah, <laughs> except for Alan. Andrew got the nice aloha. Yeah, state of mind. Still got aloha. <coughs> Sorry, where, where are we at? <coughs> Excuse I, me. I had a question. Um, does it? How is there a, like a few more? Like, does it take a bit longer to do a laminated back insides? Well, there there are trade offs. Um, it's easier to bend the sides because when you do a conventional build, bending the sides is a pretty exacting process. They need to be really close to, to perfect or what you want them to be. When you're doing laminates, though, you're, um, each piece of wood is a lot thinner than a conventional side, so they bend more easily, and they don't have to be bent perfectly to fit in the mold. Um, when you, if they're, you have to bend the waist to just enough so that it doesn't break when you mm-hmm. put it in the mold and you know push it into shape and same with the upper bout the lower bout you, i put a little bend in it but it does it's not going to break um, with that much curvature so there's 
probably about the same time spent in building in excuse me in bending the sides because yeah. you you do there are three pieces of 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 hardwood um, and you have to so you have to bend six times but it's so much quicker and uh, then one plus on the laminated sides is that um, no matter what wood you're you're using even a, a highly figured wood like um, like quilted maple for example if you if you build a solid um, quilted maple side it often wants to bend in kind of steps or in facets it doesn't want to bend smoothly yeah. no matter what so you end up doing a little bit of sanding to make it smooth um, and that's true of a lot of a lot of woods but with the laminated uh, the thin pieces do bend well and then when they're they're clamped into a mold and and glued as a unit it's it comes out very very flat and smooth on the outer surface the inner surface too it doesn't really matter as much but on the outer surface you end up doing very little sanding to make it um, the way you want it which is but once it's it's finished and it's sprayed with a glossy finish. You don't want to see any any reflections that are squiggly marks or yeah. off angles or whatever. You want to see nice straight reflections along the sides of the body, and that's what you get. Yeah, and awesome. even like over time, um, you're not going to get as much movement. Uh, like especially with sides, like I see that yeah. in older instruments, a lot of times, like the sides will start to warp a little bit, but that affects the whole box, you know. So just to have that stability over time, I feel like you use uh, solid linings as well, right? Yeah, I started using solid linings early on in my building career, so I've been doing that for years. Um, the reason I did it was because um, I felt that there's so little real estate on the top of a of an ukulele that you want to be able to, you know, to use as much of the of the um, area as you can to vibrate and to make sound. And um, the laminated linings are just thinner than curved linings. Now, curved being the, the, when you look inside and look at the junction between the back and the sides or the top and the sides, and you, you see those little the pieces with slots cut in them every quarter inch or so. That's called a uh, curved lining. But they're wider. And so they, <clears throat> excuse me, they intrude onto the area of the top a little bit more. So that was my theory for using um, the laminated linings because they're very narrow. Does that make a big difference? Um, it's hard to say, but in theory it, it should because there's more working area of the top. So I've been doing that for a long mm, time. That's like a different reason than a lot of people use, well, which is the stiffness yeah. know, aspect. Uh, anyways. Hey, you know what I really love about your new instruments is the shapes. They are looking sexier than ever with that flow have you guys seen his new? I haven't, but I got you said to. sexy, you know. It looks it looks onolicious. That's what it looks oh. like. <laughs> he was still kind of groggy, but now he's now he's awake. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I had to make a, a lot of new tooling to make the laminated uh, sides, um, and I thought to myself, well, I've been making the same shape for years, which I like. It's a basically a classical Martin kind of shape that Martin with look, a, a little yeah. less pinched at the waist so I, I open up the top a little bit more uh -huh. but I decided to do something new and I I made it what I call a more contemporary shape it's yeah. it's fuller in the lower bout and um, the sound holes a little bit um, farther north on the body and the so the upper bout is a little bit smaller mm -hmm. uh, than 
with the Martin shape. So there's there's just more of, of the top to work, which yeah has yeah. got to be an important thing. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a little more work. What like your end block has to get curved and stuff like that. But I mean, I feel like it's got a real flow and. I, f- I think we should almost like start busting them out so we're not just talking about them. <laughs> Where are those parked? Hey well, David, I mean, uh, how yeah. do you how did you how do you stay lean? What's your diet? <laughs> well, past couple of years my diet has been that um, condition I was telling you about. Yeah, tell us. <laughs> Put that on the yeah. podcast. Really? Why not? Everybody <laughs> deals with health issues. Oh, I have a... Um, I guess, well, let's put it this way. How come there haven't been a dozen more Ono ukuleles at the ukulele site in the last few years? Well, I wasn't feeling well for a while. Yeah. But I'm I'm back now. Back. Back. <laughs> it's like one of those drug advertisements. Yeah, where, yeah. yeah. No, I, everything's okay. Viagra. <laughs> yeah. Well, that might help too. Right, ukulele. Right. <laughs> it's good for ukulele building. What was the inspiration for your calling, naming your, your line of ukes Ono? Well, as you know better than I do, it's um, tasty. It's a couple of things in, in Hawaiian. It's the, the name for the, the fish, also mm-hmm. called a wahoo, which is a great yeah. game fish and eating fish. And that's really what's on my label. Um, and there's also the the other meaning in Hawaiian, which is uh, something that is good, something that you like a lot, often applied to, to food that is delicious. But, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I've, I've been told that ono can also be used for other things when you, you say you like something. Yeah. yeah, like something that not only tastes good, sounds good, Super looks ono. good. <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's kind ono. of, it's a double meaning. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a nice short word I could put on the headstock. Cool. And easy to spell, too, right? right. Like, if yeah, you're a visitor never, and you hear about Ono, <laughs> never had to I think most people can had do to, it. You know, change the spelling. I've always spelled well, it correctly the first time. I think a decade ago, you bought a Pono, right? <laughs> well, or, yeah, and, and I, I was aware of Pono because it was the first ukulele I bought. I, I bought uh, a baritone and still have it. But when I got to thinking about what am I going to name my ukuleles, I... I didn't really think about Pono because Ono is a different word from Pono. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally a different, different. meaning. And, yeah. I, sure. and I I keep feeling like I need to apologize for oh, uh, please. to your father. It's for an doing entirely that, different but, word. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, it is a different word and, and it has a distinct meaning from from. Pono. I mean, if you were doing like some large scale production, it might be something he that would have caught his radar to be like, <laughs> hey, uh, but still yet. What are you going to do? I mean, like, words are like that. Yeah, yeah. Especially when it comes to, you know, three- and four-letter Hawaiian words. It's like, Yeah, and at oh. this point, it's like, who really cares? There's like 20 million different manufacturers of ukuleles <laughs> out there. It's like, <laughs> yeah, here's a straw. Just suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good advice for the kids of today. Um. All right, so what you have in your hand now is what we've been talking about. Look at that. It is indeed so tasty. Sexy. <laughs> Delicious. I love the rosette um, being not 
not a ring on the outside, but um, it just has this super classy look to it. Well, I started doing that with, a, I think it was about my third instrument. I was making the rosette and I, I made a mistake. And the only way I could fix the mistake was by doing it like this. So I said, okay, I'll just, I'll do one like that. And um, at some point, someone saw that instrument and said, uh, can you make me one like that? And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do that again. And so it kind of caught on. Uh, I don't claim I, to be the first person to ever do this, sure, but that's sure. how I got started on it. I love the look. I think it's perfect. Yeah. The last Bohannon we got actually had that same look to it. Yeah. But, you know, the, like you, there's only so much real estate on a uke. I don't know. It just has a very clean, beautiful look to it. Classy. Yeah, Jake, uh, Jake McClay's been doing that on oh, right, his for Jake. some time. Yeah, he, does, yeah. he does a beautiful job. They're, they're very, very elegant, simple and elegant. Yeah, I think he's been at the top, top of that sort of tip as far as like clean, elegant. I know early on Jake did all kinds of fancy stuff with his rosettes and all like that. And then just kind of over time, he's been like, no, I, I kind of like this refined, clean. Yeah, he's, he's zeroed in on a really nice look. I love his builds, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so people can see there what we were talking about with your new shape. There's a little bit of a, I don't know, a happier look to the bridge. You put a slight of a smile on it, maybe. Yeah. And um, string through like they all, they, they've been like that all, all along? or All some, along, yeah. right from the beginning. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a simple, clean way of doing it. The theory, as I understand it, is that by having the string terminated uh, up against the bridge plate on the underside of the top, more energy of the string gets transmitted directly to the top. And I, I'm not gonna vouch for that theory. But there's also a theory about building instruments that if you have a, a, a pretty good uke, the difference between a pretty good uke and a, and a really good uke might be 10% or something. That's just an arbitrary figure. There's no single thing you can do to the pretty good uke to make it 10% better. You might be able to figure out five things to do that make it 2% better each. And so every little thing that you do is important mm. to um, try and, and maximize the ability of the, of the uke to make the kind of sound that you want it to make. Right. And, and that's just yeah. one of those little things. If, if um, st stringing through like this makes a 2% difference, it's worth it to do. Right, right, right. I mean, you know, wood selection, the, the pitch of your neck, there's so many different things that go into yeah. the sound. But yeah, it's that whole formula that comes together. Um, as far as like other th things that are different on yours, I mean, I guess... You've been using the, the water-based crystal lac for a while now. I feel like they were mostly true oil as you started and then you got into spraying, right? Yeah, and that's still my standard finish is uh, true oil. Right. And uh, some people prefer that because they feel that it is less likely to impair the ability of the top to vibrate. Again, sure. controversial, but if that's um, if you feel that's important, that's it's perfectly it's a it's a good finish. it's just like what you were talking about there though to where like people are trying to pinpoint you know like oh this is gonna be but it's like yeah maybe one percent but there's like all those other factors to where like if you were comparing like when you sprayed to one that was 
true oil, it's like you still can't even really like make the judgment on that yeah. because there's all, you know, there's even different. Way too many variables. Mm-hmm. So you just you do the best you can with your um, your concept, or the things that you want to incorporate in it that you think are going to be helpful in in uh, building a an instrument that sounds um, pleasant. Right, and with um, some of the benefits of a of a gloss finish like that is especially you know with a softwood top, you're getting a more protective absolutely. Finish. And um, but it's it's just way more time intensive, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, any sprayed finish, no matter what um, material you use, is way more time intensive than a uh, an oil finish. Is it even legal to spray nitrocellulose in Oregon? Uh, I don't know whether it is or isn't. I know that if I if I did it, my neighbors would get unhappy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty nasty stuff. Yeah. I mean, like water-based finish is just a lot better for every for the person, the environment. It's just I don't know, there's a certain kind of wet look to nitro, but I feel like the water base is kind of a more natural look in a certain way. It has a certain um, I don't know if it's softness is the right yeah 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 word. It can be buffed to as good a gloss as other finishes. Um, I think the way it, you perceive the the depth of the finish might be I don't know. different. Are, I don't know whether it's, it's beautiful. better I, or worse. That thing looks super amazing. So yeah. that's the regular 17-inch. And talk about, so this, what type of spruce is that? What type of what? What type of spruce is the top? Uh, Adirondack. Adirondack. With Adirondack bracing. What a nice cut. I mean, it looks like top-notch level too yeah it's hard to get um really good adirondack nowadays especially with um tight a consistent color and and tight um grain spacing as well as say is, it's really consistent on the yeah this is a good a good set yeah as part of my program with the 17 inch scale and the 18 inch scale was to use the same top so the tops are cut out of the same board awesome and it almost looks a, like swiss moon spruce yeah here. it does have a european almost creamy look to it yeah, it, it, it's it's very white. Also, um, it stays whiter than than Sitka does, at least yeah. to my eye. Yeah, sure, definitely. Um, sides and back on that guy is Zircote, or what is that one? Yeah, sides and back are um, Zircote. Look at those angel wings. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> well, this one I call the the twin vultures. Because these, to oh, me, these yeah. two things look like like vulture heads with the the beak. And I, I don't know how Mother Nature did it, but Mother Nature planted an eye right in the right place. <laughs> like they're facing each other almost. Yeah, it's yeah. like a or maybe a vulture looking in a in the mirror. That's dope. And um, tap that back just to give people a sense of what you were talking about in terms of the tap tone of of your laminate hunt. Yeah still quite it's it's really resonant yeah there's and there's sustain in it too which is um it's i think generally speaking most builders would say that's a good thing it's hard to quantify the effect of a of a more resonant back versus a less resonant back and and um in the guitar world not i haven't heard this so much in the uke world but in the guitar world there are people who are really um 
careful about um, harmonizing, if that's the right word, the front and the back. Uh, they actually have a, they tune the back uh, to the properties of the, of the top. And I, as I say, I'm not aware of, of uke builders doing that, but perhaps some do. The back is a little different proposition, though. It's, um, it's, it doesn't need to have the mass that the sides do. That's what's important under the, the Gore theory. Um, it's not so much stiffness, it's, it's mass or, or weight. There's no reason to make the back um, massive or heavier than it needs to be. So what I do is I, the um, inner and outer layers are, uh, are molded in with the, um, the grain running in the usual direction longitudinally. On these, the, the inner layer is um, Adirondack spruce set um, cross grain. Ah, so three-piece three laminate. Three pieces, yeah. Right. And the back is thinner than the sides. It's still thicker than a, a conventionally built back would be, but it's, it's stiff enough that um, no back braces are required. Right, so it's like that. That's the trade-off kind of a thing. But it's funny with back because, like most people, that have it against their belly. It doesn't even really matter because they're dampening seventy-five percent of what would be there. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, it's just another another uh, feature of instruments that's controversial. Yeah, controversial. I guess <laughs> is a little rich, but yeah, people do manage to make controversy in forums about such things. But um, let's take a look at the 18 inch. And you don't even go with the conventional scale lengths. You're just trying to break the rules all over the place. Well, yeah, and that, that started with, um, with concerts. And I, maybe we should uh, yeah, talk, talk about the, the concert here for a second, because that's how I got started on the unconventional scale lengths. Um, Man, that thing is beautiful. This yeah. concert is is also built with laminated sides, although there are only um, two thicknesses because it's a smaller instrument that's adequate to do the job, and um, two on the back as well. The outer is um, very nice curly koa, and the inside is uh, mahogany. Before I started building, I um, I bought a number of instruments, and one of them was a, a super concert made by a, um, a well-known manufacturer, and and um, those are a concert body with a 17-inch or tenor scale. And I feel I, like it's, there was something wrong with it because you didn't mention the brand name. <laughs> I don't know. There was nothing wrong. With it. <laughs> Excellent instrument of highest repute, and for somebody it would be a good instrument. But for me, I thought it was the 17-inch. Uh, uh, scale and neck was a little bit too long for the body, both in terms of balance and in terms of um, of the amount of energy that was available from the strings. Just didn't seem to be uh, lining Optimal. up well with the with the volume <clears throat> and the resonance of the body. And that's that could be just me. That's a sub very subjective thing. But I, I eventually sold it, and um, after I started building, uh, I built a number of concerts, and I. I thought back to that experience of having a, a longer neck, and I thought, well, what about if I try a 16-inch neck instead of the 17-inch neck that it, I, I didn't like? So I built one, and I found that um, it, it has more uh, more finger room on the board. It's just a little, the fret spacing's a little bit wider, which makes it a little bit better for at least 
whatever. A little wider lengthwise. Yeah, yeah. Same, same nut-wise, but yeah. If, if you have um, you know bigger fingers, I suppose that's a, um, a good option. But I also felt that the amount of energy that the strings were imparting to the, the size and volume of the body was, was really appropriate. It, it seemed like it, um, it made a, an improvement in the tone. And anytime you put a longer scale on, the instrument's going to be a little bit um, mellower. Mellower? Way of putting it. You think? With longer scale? With, uh, with, a, with a longer scale. It, it tends to um, make it a little... Well, in terms of, of ukes, maybe one a better way to put it would be the percussiveness of it. The smaller the uke is, the more it tends to be a, a percussive instrument. The sopranos being the most... Yeah. Um, uh, I hear that in terms of like punchiness. Like yep. in that low mid range, you know. Yeah, yeah, and making the scale a little bit longer does make it a little less of a, a little less percussive and a little, a little more melodic. Right, right, right. Um, so I, I found that it was a good um, compromise between the regular six, 15 inch concert scale and the, and the 17 inch that I had, and since I started building the 16 inches, I, I think I've maybe had one order for a, a 15 inch. Everybody wants the 16 inches. Yeah, they still fit in a concert case, too. It yeah. still pretty much feels like a concert, but it's just got that scale. I mean, I guess part of it is, you know, string pairing, too, and stuff like that. Sure, but, you always. Know, yeah. And this, I like them. This is 15 frets to the body, also. Ah. Um, excuse me, 14 on this, which oh, right, is right, right, a right. little more than you'd usually see on a concert. So yeah. it gives a little more room on the fretboard for people like Corey and Kalei, who make use of it <laughs> oh yeah they're gonna need at least 17 frets to body <laughs> so oh, that's, no. uh, that's how i got man that uh, thing is really pretty what on. is it? is that bloodwood binding or what oh yeah yeah it's um or bloodwood with black and white um purfling i don't know if you can pick that up but i love it so I went through a similar thought process with the tenors, and I, I Ooh, wondered what would happen if I wordle. tried a slightly longer scale than the, um, the usual 17-inch scale. And uh, now I've, I've made um, several of the 18-inchers. I've been doing it for probably four years. And 18-inch. Uh, yeah, the 18-inchers. Yeah. Um, Did you build any 19 I've never built a 19. Yeah. I'd do it if, if somebody right, uh, right, asked, right. but people haven't asked for them. No, I think it's I think it's a good... I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, Kamaka used their old baritone neck, which the scale was 19. That was and then people just kind of, like... Or, or people would take their old-school baritone 19-inch and tune it up like a tenor, and that kind of, <laughs> like, started the thing. But and it's the same thing with like concerts being like the long neck. Well, they just took the tenor neck, but I almost feel like sixteen and eighteen is more kind of like I don't know. I think it's appropriate for. I like, think it's better. Like honestly, oh, like Clay just said it. I, I, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I I um for a while I played a sixteen inch concert. That's um, right. The first one, like your first custom one, right? My first custom ukulele and um. I always wondered why that concert felt more comfortable than 
all the other concerts. And when I was, when we put in the order, uh, he's a good family friend of ours, and he said, "Well, this one's kind of in between a concert and a tenor." I didn't get it. I didn't know nothing about scale. And I was like, "Okay," <laughs> I was like, "Let's try it out," and I still have it to this day. And so, sixteen-inch concert scale, I, I'm totally for it. Good. I'm glad to hear that. What do you What do you guys think about eighteen inch? Because your you had Kala make you a custom that 18. was eighteen inch. Yeah, and I was playing a nineteen for for a long time, but no matter how long I or the amount of time I put into it, I could never get used to it. So after I switched to an eighteen, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is perfect." Right, right, right. It it seems a little more. What were you saying? Appropriate for calling it a super tenor yeah. or super concert well there you go Kalei and Corey gave you the scale length approval <laughs> well that's a relief <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it is <laughs> well I'm actually I'm glad that we got to try out you know both scale lengths um, prior to the podcast so oh well we still have yet to see what they think about the, your ukes though because they'll give a pretty scathing review spoiler <laughs> alert I got to try them out already so oh. I can't wait to play them again <laughs> okay, cats out of the bag. They're awesome. Yeah, several of the people who've bought them are uh, people who uh, do a lot of um, picking, and uh, they seem to feel that that is that the longer scale is um, more conducive to to good picking. And I'll leave that up to you guys to. What do you guys think? I completely pick- agree. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Pickers. I tend to pick more on super concerts, and he's picky. I mean, I'm pretty yeah. picky. <laughs> Just don't pick on the luthier. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> a good instrument, strum it, pick it, whatever. It's going to sound good. Um, That Merle is gorgeous. I'm salivating. Yeah, this is a, a pretty piece of wood. It's it's called Bastone. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was just looking from here. I was like thinking it was a Merle cut. It looks yeah, like Merle. It's, this is Bastone Walnut, which is a pretty unusual wood it's um it's a naturally occurring hybrid of, of two different walnut species and in, uh this came from uh northern california the two species that seem to do that are, are claro walnut and um, english walnut and uh, every so often there'll it'll be a claro tree near a um an english tree and and they'll the pollen will get together and make a bastone tree the bastone tree doesn't produce um, viable acorns, so it doesn't reproduce itself. So you might have a... So it's more rare. Yeah, it's, it makes it quite rare. And uh, every so often, uh, you know, someone comes across a bastone tree that's been chopped down or is a windfall, and they scarf up the wood, and, and uh, there are some people down in Northern California who, uh, who are able to supply it, but not very many. It, it, it also tends to make interesting colors. Um, there, there's more variability of color in uh, across mm. bastone trees from Is it slightly you know, from tree lighter tree. than claro? Sometimes, but not always. Right, right, right. It, it often is. Because um, that looks like kind of a lighter... Yeah, it is. And I've, I've got some bastone um, that in which the... the uh, not the, the sapwood, but the... Um, you know, the sapwood is, is, is usually light in color. That's sure. the wood on the outside of the tree. Um, this is um, this is heartwood, which means what is most of the of the 
dimension or diameter of the tree is, is heartwood. I've got some bastone that has almost blonde um, heartwood in a, in a basket weave, which is basket weave is, is a curly figure, but going in both directions. So it makes kind of square, square luminescent patches. And that's, you know, white walnut. Come yeah. on, whoever heard of that? Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I so would, I would love to get it, a, a uke from you. It's with that. <laughs> it's it's nice wood to build with. Um, Do you get a lot more sets doing a laminate? As far as you know, I mean, you're resawing it, right? So it's quite yeah. a bit thinner. Yeah. Yeah, um, I do resaw it thinner because it, it ends up being for the outer layer, um, forty-five or fifty thousandths of an inch on the, on the sides. Um, whereas your total thickness of a single uh, solid side tenor would be, depending on the wood, sixty-five to seventy-five thousandths. Right. Or... And so you're you're slicing the slices a little bit thinner. So if you're lucky, you can get a okay. couple more slices out of a board. Ah. But you're not going to be able to take a pre-cut set and get two out of it. No, generally not. I can do that. Sometimes I'll buy um, acoustic guitar sets, and some of the suppliers uh, um, do make those quite a bit thicker. And there are some acoustic yeah. guitar sets that can be resawn if you do a Gotta good job a good right down the middle and get yeah. get a double out of it. But generally, you can't do that. So it's better to buy boards and resaw them yourself. It's more economical. Right, right, right. Bastone, Bastone walnut. walnut. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah, Bastone. I'm told means bastard in French, and that's <laughs> that's in recognition of the. Oh yeah, because about yeah. something about how it's made. <laughs> Makes they, a lot of sense. Um, call a, the last name would be uh, Snow. Yeah, Game of Thrones people. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Oh. Anyways, I don't have time for Game of Thrones. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's okay. It'll be there for you when you retire. Oh yeah. Oh, we get to binge watch it. Binge watch forty years later. Yeah. <laughs> hey, David. Let let me ask you to swap seats with Corey, and sure. um, we'll start getting some samples. <laughs> What do you think of the sound, Corey? I like it. It's really open and it's not too bassy. It sounds good, like a whole step down, too. What type of strings does it have? The Uke Logic with the smooth wound. Ooh. A favorite here at the Ukulele site. I'm about to list those, too. Joel made the listings. I just have to, like, look it over and put them up. Watch so. them disappear. <laughs> so by the time that we publish this, Ukelogic strings should be available from the ukulele site. Yes. What did you think of them, David? The thing that really um, impressed me right off the bat is that there seems to be really good balance from string to string in terms of the um, quality of the sound and also the, the, the volume of the sound that each, yeah. string, each string produces. It's a, it's a nice set balance yeah yeah sweet very sweet sounding yeah i feel like they're not quite as pointed as like most fluorocarbons you know they got a little bit more roundness on the high end which i like 
And these are the soft set that... Oh, really? Yeah, there's a hard yeah. set, as you know, which is going to be a little bit brighter. Ooh, but the, the hard tension bring out even more volume and punch. Yeah. Probably. I almost feel like with this uh, whole step, you know, down uh, tuning, I think maybe the hearts might also work well with it that could very well be what true. are you talking about whole step down uh, it's actually tuned in b flat instead of c oh yeah so with the 18 inch uh super tenor that he brought it's actually tuned the whole step down but you okay so that's right um which if somebody bought this there'd be no problem in tuning it gce no But as is, you feel like a step down, it's kind of like a little more open. And uh, what do you think, David, as far as that difference? I do like the tone when it's tuned down. I, I had it tuned down a half step, and I thought it was um, I thought it was good. I actually like the half step better than the, the full step where it is right now. It's something with a half a step down on, on tuning. Cause, um, Whole step for this one. Yeah, but growing up, we used to play a lot of songs that were tuned half step down. That's <laughs> called being uh, flat. Uh, what do you call? Um, pure heart. A lot of this songs. Yeah, are, pure heart. Call creator boys. Yep. So <clears throat> I always, I always thought that was the right tuning, and when I grew up, I realized, wow, I was wrong the whole time. But it all sounded good. That's all that mattered. Actually, like textbook wise. A tenor should be tuned in B flat. That's actually preferred tenor tuning. I think, I think Jimi Hendrix was always E flat, right? Half step down. Even Stevie Ray recording. Right? That's Stevie Ray. I almost feel like they used to do that so nobody different. could figure out their songs. <laughs> no, it's because it's a little bit sweeter. I don't Just, know. Yeah. Let's try this. Uh, wait, let's do a sound sample with this tuning and then half a yeah, step maybe. down. Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, that's in B-flat now, so, but, um, the regular tenor you have two in GCEA? Yes. So the string tension is probably more equal. Yeah, that's why I tuned that down in the first place, is so that I'd have a more direct comparison between the sound of the 17-inch and the 18-inch. If the strings are, are a different in tension, that's going to have a big effect on, right. the, on the sound. Interesting. Uh, I want to try and isolate the, the the effect of the difference in the scale lengths. Yeah. But there's no reason in the world it can't be sure. tuned as an ordinary tenor. Right, right, right. Okay, Corey, give us a, a one-minute thing that we can also compare with the 17-inch.
Wow. That was really, really good sustain for um, fairly low tension strings. Because I think this is like really light. Um, or what What did Joel give you on these? Was this the lighter? Yeah, um, the soft tension. The, the soft. Okay. And then but yeah, try to just hit hit like. one chord and hold it. It's like really nice sustain. But um, yeah, I mean, you were saying volume and sustain you hear better in the in your new laminate side and back. Yeah, that's true. And I was holding it against my body, so it's it's, it's a lot different. Oh, let's hear the difference, like holding it against your body and not. So this is me hugging it. And this is me holding it away. <laughs> wow, it really opens it up. step let's just go up to g this is f sharp <laughs> okay uh, whatever whatever the rest is <laughs> what do you think actually i like the lower tuning better <laughs> now go up to g regular g yeah your smile is all mischief like we're like gonna break something <laughs> yeah let's do it nah don't worry those strings are tough I did like five shows with them before they started to peel <laughs> you lose a lot of the low end sound with this this standard tuning And the real, like the true tonal characteristics of spruce really comes out when you're having this tuning, right? Like that real bright and clear kind of sound. I always feel though, the, like the uh, the B flat tuning kind of balances, like you know, the brightness of the spruce, the spruce mm. with like warmth because warmth, it's yeah. tuned lower. How about G sharp? Keep going. No. <laughs> We'll do Canadian tuning, we'll just go. Yeah. On an 18 yeah. inch? Oh no. Oh, that would be bright and thin.
So it's really, really good sustain. Mm. It's like, what? what is the... Do you just, like, do the same finish on the next, but then, like, hit it with, like, some, like, steel wool and, like, or, like, how do you get this on the on the neck? Like that. I feel like it's like a, a, a wax and steel wool, I remember. Yeah, the, the necks are done completely with epoxy resin. Oh, that's why. Talk about that. Well... So smooth. I, I like the feeling. It's it um, it doesn't have any much stickiness to it. It, it your hand slides really nicely yeah. on it. And if there's any um, finishing material that's going to be durable on a neck, it's epoxy because it's it's not going to be subject to um, breakdown from hand oils and perspiration right, right. in the same way that a lot of other finishes are. So it should be durable. And it's um, it. Um, the epoxy I'm using imparts a nice color to the wood, so it's it's. I've been doing it that way for quite a while, and unless somebody specifically wants something different, that's just my standard now. Nice. Did you ever make surfboards? No. <laughs> I know you used to make boats. I've done that. Yeah. I'm I'm done with it. You're done with boats. I finally learned my lesson. If you want your boat repaired, call David Ingalls. <laughs> 555. No. no, if you want someone to help you play with your boat, call me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beer and a weekend. Yeah, let's do it. attention and tuned it up to Canadian went up north a lot. Wow, that's why it sounded extra happy. It sounded like it had free health care. <laughs> oh that's what it sounds like probably when you <laughs> of the world.
Beautiful. This thing's really fun to play. It feels great. What what um, percentage better does it sound than the last 16-inch Ono? Um, particularly 17% better. You think so, too? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kalei, let's get you in there. Yeah. Looks good, feels good. Yeah, the new shape is beautiful. I especially like the cases you choose to. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but the finest. Oh, yeah. Oahu. Have you always used UPT Gotos? Ever since they came out. Right, know. right, right. Yeah, it's, it's my standard now. Oh, yeah. It's got that wonderful rotten kombucha kind of a. <laughs> Also has uh, pineapple and lime and other fruit juices. <laughs> yeah. Is Ashland um, full of kombucha and? Oh yeah, those... very hip place. Yeah. <laughs> Figured Oregon's like. On it, like seven vegan restaurants in two blocks, and yeah, pretty much. The trends start there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, pretty cool. I really enjoyed um, Portland when I went there a few years ago. How far away are you guys from Portland? It's about three hundred miles. It's a while. Yeah, it's a big state. Yeah. We get up there pretty regularly, and Portland's a great town. Yeah. There's a lot going They've on. They've always got, like, music stuff happening yeah. all the time. Anyways. All right, so Kalei is going to sample the concert. Do you even call it concert 16-inch scale, or is this just like, that's your concert? Oh, I'll do it either way. I'm, oh, okay, okay. I'm happy with just Whatever the it, customer uh, feels is best for the customer's style of playing. Superior concert. <laughs> the Super Ono concert. <laughs> I like the uh, thickness of the neck. How, how would you describe that? Uh, on the thin side. Yeah, it's thinner, but... The overall shape makes it easy to play. Yeah. I just like the way it's rounded off, because it's kind of flat in the middle, I noticed. And that actually feels really comfortable for concert ukulele. Because I noticed, like, when they put, like, a 17-inch on, a, you know, as a super concert should be, or the standard uh, super concert is normally, it almost feels like a tenor, but the body is, like, smaller. I think, like, this type of neck shape, like, matches the overall feel of the instrument when you're holding it up against your body. Yeah, hey, um, it it doesn't seem like it's as much of a hybrid as mm-hmm. a as a um, super concert is with yeah. a seventeen inch. Can you show the new cantilever there at the end of the fretboard? Yeah, and I was looking at that. Alan, then. Alan, if you can catch that with a close up, so people can see what we were talking about earlier. The 
the fretboard used to just extend, which is fine, but I love that sleekness of that new look with the angled piece underneath. When did you start doing that, David? Right off the bat. Before I started building... No, but when did you change the cantilever? Oh, oh gosh, in the last uh, year or so. Right, right, right. It's pretty recent. I'm sorry, what you were... Oh, I have to give credit where credit is due. The only other uke I know of that uses a cantilevered board is the um, Compass Rose that's yeah. built by Rick Turner in Santa Cruz. Oh. And I, before I started building, I had one of his um, Alcoa um, tenors. And um, I kind of used that as a model for that construction technique. It, it made sense to me. And I looked at, at the precedent for it. It's, this isn't the first time somebody thought of doing a cantilevered neck. Um, some classical guitars have had them and uh, some archtop guitars. And even um, there are some in both of those categories that don't actually have the, the end of the fretboard cantilevered, but it's still raised over the top with a, with a wedge in between. And I understand the reason for doing that is that it allows you to get to the um, farther down the fretboard a little bit easier. You can reach those frets since um, just sort of mechanically it's, it's easier to do that than when the fretboard is right down on the top. And um, it's not as, as effective for that as a cutaway would be, but it still helps. All right, Kalei, let's get a proper sound sample. Proper one, not none of Corey's funny <laughs> business. No. What? No, it's fine. So it is, so since it's a a sixteen inch scale like one of my first custom ukuleles, here's actually part of the first song I ever wrote. Nice. Which is done on a sixteen inch scale concert. Which one is that? Yeah, there are uh, little pieces of uh, Amazon rosewood that are just laid in a one it's next to the to other around the a circle. Because of the grain lines, yeah. But it, um, 
Oh, yeah. It has a super cool look to it. That's another beautiful wood. <laughs> this one, I, I can hear the difference in that. On this one. <clears throat> difference in what? What do, you, what do you mean? Like, you know when you hug it up against oh, your body? Right. right and then right. when you just... Yeah. It's pretty good. Well, through the headphones. Oh, yeah. No, I hear it. Spruce top, circote, side and back. What type of binding does that one have? Bindings are granadillo. Ooh, granadillo. Granadillo. Beautiful. I love when it's like kind of contrasting with similar colors, like in that same palette. Yeah, those two colors go together particularly well. They're, yeah. They're different, but they're kind of in, Complimentary. The, in the same area of... of color range right, right, right do you always use ebony for your fretboard and bridges almost always have you ever tried um madagascar rosewood uh yes i built one or two with madagascar and i've, I've got some of the material that uh, i can use so i'll be doing more of them it's a hard one to get but the, yeah it's got a... yeah it is and that um probably know more about this than I do I think those uh, the, all of the other um, rosewood species are are coming off of restriction aren't yep. they? Yeah. That's one reason I, I haven't used Madag the Madagascar right, right, uh, right. very often is because you get into the whole CITES thing but that's going to change real quick isn't it? I think it's already In a few there. days yeah. uh, November 30, 30th right? Hey. Rosewood is open for sale clear. again Clear okay. We're in the clear for rosewood. Yeah, that'll that'll free up a lot of um, woods that we can use for mm -hmm. instruments that are going to get shipped overseas. Sure, <coughs> sure, sure. It only affects international sales, but still, it's like wow, it's been a it's been a hard thing to deal with. So I'm I'm stoked. What do you think, Kalei? The sustain is amazing. Yeah, the sustain is insane. Wow. Yeah. It's like the ukulele just doesn't want to stop singing.
Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Sounds good. I like love the overtones. Mm. So like when you do of, like major seven chords, it's just like it's like that. There's natural reverb going on, which is very beautiful. <laughs> wow. Wait, just just do that chord. Just a good. Yeah. <laughs> You know what's strange is that even though I know mentally that this is an 18, I could pick it up and just think regular tenor and just start playing and not have to really think about like okay, well this you know instrument has an inch longer in scale, which most times when I pick up a, a 19 inch. I really gotta look at my fingers because a lot of times, like and I'm not stretch, gonna, yeah. yeah, either I'm not gonna stretch enough, you know, or I stretch too much. Right, right, right. For me, I have larger hands, so it just feels better in every way. Stretch, like stretching chords and just doing regular chords, it feels a lot better. David, love what you're doing, man. Thank you. It's, a, it's great to hear these guys play them. They, they always make a luthier sound good. <laughs> like I always say, it's 95% ukulele. Yeah. We sound much better when we play like a good instrument. Yeah, it helps, so, right? You sound good when you play a bad instrument. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, we, sometimes we struggle. Oh, we, we don't like bad Andrew. instruments right <laughs> We don't allow that. I didn't mean here in the store. I meant no, just no, no, off no. in the woods yeah. someplace. It definitely makes a difference, and I think people can hear. And um, I love what you're doing. It's, it's got its own sound that I feel like even shines through with the differences that you make over the years. 
And if um, if you guys have listened this far, you're probably fans of ours or Ono Ukulele's Kalei and Corey. And if you want Corey and Kalei to continue to get um, paid and survive, then and you're going to have to buy <laughs> ukuleles at the ukulelesite.com. Each ukulele is one meal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so preferably these Ono ukuleles as they're available. They'll come up soon. But, um, yeah, otherwise, I don't know. Corey's going to have to find, like, an IT job maybe. And <laughs> Kalei will be fishing in his backyard. And, yeah. Nah, I'll probably just be, like, gigging seven days a week. And... <laughs> oh, wow, you've already got your exit strategy. No. <laughs> come on, man. There's a backup plan. I'm trying to the paint a picture plan. here yeah. of you. He was just sad. joking, man. <laughs> I see where you're at now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We love you guys and we'll see you next time. Thank you so Aloha. much. Aloha. Mahalo. All right. Thanks, David. I hope I didn't forget anything or. I don't know. No, no, that was great. Cool. I, th- uh, I like that one a lot. I love to hear you guys play my instruments. It's like the. It's uh, I guess it's a newer design. It's it's different in a in a really 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 good way. Yeah, there's more there's more top to go to work, which is probably a good thing. I know it's the sustain right off the bat. Well, yeah, and and there was um, until this weekend. Sides were me and Bo. Mm-hmm. And oh, I don't know Bo's. He's yeah, been yeah, he's been doing it for a while. And, and uh, was it for that so, reason or just overall? Yeah, well, you know, he's a he does it because he believes that it increases sustain and, and volume. And but there was a uh, luthier at um, at the Guild show, a guy named um, Jung Tae Kim. Oh, was that Allcraft or was it one of the? Uh, he's Chisel. Oh, Chisel. Okay. Yeah, he's Chisel. Oh, and, uh, Jitsu. 